Fresh Art International presents conversations about creativity in the 21st century. This is Fresh Art International. I'm Kathy Bird. Our podcast explores the center and fringe of art scenes around the world. Today, we invite you into a conversation about the 58th Venice Art Biennale. For the 2019 International Exhibition, London-based American curator Ralph Rugoff chose the title, May You Live in Interesting Times. He explains that this is a phrase of English invention that has long been mistakenly cited as an ancient Chinese curse. The words interesting times invoke periods of uncertainty, crisis, and turmoil. These are the times we live in today. Philadelphia-based art historian Deborah Barkin is an expert on the Art Biennale. Every two years, she spends weeks immersing herself in the main exhibitions on view in the Giardini and Arsenale. She walks to the edges of the island city to experience collateral exhibitions and events. Here are a few of her impressions from Venice. Lithuania's National Pavilion, Sun and Sea, Marina, won the 2019 Golden Lion Award. The Tableau Vivant, which unfolds on an indoor beach made from genuine Lithuanian sand, laments the effects of global warming in a weighty operatic performance. Berlin-based Ito Styrels, This is the Future, conducts viewers along a multi-tiered garden path lined with pulsating digital blooms, whose extracts promise to poison autocrats and to render the brain unsusceptible for hate speech and austerity propaganda by attaching to political endorphin receptors. All these plants literally produce power. They transform sunlight into energy. Photosynthesis, the harvesting of sunlight without the oil. Without futuristic propagation of numbness questions assumptions about the ability of artificial intelligence to accurately predict outcomes. The dimly lit space of Indian artist Shilpa Gupta's sound installation, For In Your Tongue I Cannot Fit, compels viewers to navigate a dense field of upturned spikes, each of which displays a page of verse by a poet imprisoned for her or his works or political beliefs, and hanging microphones 
which broadcast recitations of the illicit words, creating a resonant chorus of dissonant languages. Gupta's title references the work of Imadadin Nasimi, a 14th century Azerbaijani poet. In Philadelphia, we sit down with Deborah Barkin to hear her perspectives on the global exhibition. For me, the Venice Biennale is significant because it has such a strong history, because it is an exhibition that has been around since 1895, because it has only largely been interrupted by the First and Second World War, because it is interconnected with history and representation, and because art, I think, at the Venice Biennale is seen as a logical continuum of the art and architecture that are in Venice that are dating from the 13th, 14th, 15th centuries. And they don't see a disconnect between installing the most contemporary work in the most contemporary media in these extremely historic places, whether it's San Giorgio and Maggiore, where the Benedictines always include a major installation every year. They see that as part of what connects them to the people they serve. So Sean Scully's Human under the dome and San Giorgio and Maggiore this year doesn't seem idiosyncratic in that space. And I don't see that, unfortunately, as something that in the U.S. we tend to embrace. In Venice, each piece, whether it's immediately understood or not, and mostly it's the latter, is there to encourage us to pose questions, to pose questions about who we are, where we are in the world, what links us to each other, what links us to our past, in a way I find really refreshing. So that dichotomy between the old and the new, or the juxtaposition of the old and the new, in a very fluid way, or sometimes a very disruptive way, really forces us to confront what we put in the world, what we make, what are those things that we put out there for other people to see and other people to respond to, and that viewers are such an integral part of that. I'm curious, Deborah, what you saw as some of the trends in how artists are choosing to represent the world in Venice on this international platform. Well, it was interesting. It wasn't my first time at the Biennale, so I think that I'm able to gauge, to some extent, whose voices are being offered at any given Biennale, in the sense that these are curatorial choices among many possibilities. And so, for me, one of the curatorial contexts seem to be a, a rather dystopic view of the world and of the future. 
that was being curated into the exhibition, as well as being shared by some of the artists there. And this dystopic view had a lot to do, I would say, with our relationship to technology. And why is that such a fraught subject in the world today, do you think? If you want to think about some of the takeaways from the Biennale, I would say there's the sense that we are just shy of becoming enslaved by technology or technology eclipsing our initial intentions for it. There were a lot of pieces about artificial intelligence or VR, and many of them coming from a rather dystopic point of view. I understand the impulse to see technology as something that is rapidly eclipsing our control. On the other hand, I found the more interesting work, the work that was being offered that was about technology, but about the human interrelationship with technology, that technology is something that humans created, that humans can modify, that we do have recourse, and that technology largely reflects something about us. It's not separate from us. It's not more powerful than us. It is a reflection of what we want certain parts of our world to harness or to do for us. And therefore, there is the possibility for us to take technology in different directions. And that not all those directions involve a foregone conclusion where we are enslaved by robots. This is a global platform. It's like the Olympics of art in a way. They might have political statements, but they're not prevented from participating because of politics. And yet this year, you observe some very distinct representations of politics and economic conditions that limited certain countries' participation. That's a really fascinating point of connection between something that I think a lot of us perceive as discrete, which is the art world, from the greater political and cultural and financial economy. That, in fact, these things are inextricably linked, and they always have been. And Venice is a very historic location in this regard because during the time that we now call the Renaissance, Venice was a powerhouse. It was an economic, political, religious, naval powerhouse, a driver of that region. That, I think, simply highlights the degree to which art and culture is interknit with all of these other facets of life. So, for instance, the Venezuelan pavilion, which is in the Giardini, opened late because of the political turmoil and the financial turmoil that, that Venezuelans have been undergoing in the recent past. And it eventually did open, and that was a really important statement. The Syrian exhibition featured diasporic Syrian artists who are now residing all over the world and bringing their culture 
to these other parts of the world where many of them have been been forced to migrate to because of war and violence. I think that the presence of a national pavilion or a national showing of any kind, even in the case of peripheral exhibitions, is a statement, a strong statement, and has always been a strong statement of identity, cultural identity, ethnic identity, national identity. I mean, there's lots of ways to conceive of this. For the first time, the global Roma population had representation in a fixed location. It was really interesting to see a fixed exhibition of a culture whose identity for so long been based on the lack of fixity or non-fixity. And so this kind of burgeoning movement and the desire to create community in a way that speaks with the language of this exhibition. Why would you encourage someone to see this particular Venice Biennale? The Venice Biennale is always a glimpse. And I think that this particular Biennale is a glimpse. It is the glimpse of a specific group of curators who have chosen to include specific artists. It is not in any way, nor is it ever, an encyclopedic exhibition of what artists do now or what artists make work about now. It is a curated picture of what they think is important at this moment. It's key to understand that that artists are, are much more diverse than what's portrayed in this particular Biennale, but it gives you a sense of where some people are going and the issues that they're speaking about through their work, whether it's technology, as we talked about, global climate change, climate migration, migration more generally, that there are a range of questions that can be addressed about these highly topical issues of our time. This is the Fresh Art International Podcast. I'm Kathy Bird. Art historian Deborah Barkin reveals the pleasure and critical thinking that she discovers each time she explores the Venice Art Biennale and collateral events. Through her eyes, we understand that the venerated exhibition never fails to create a constellation of art encounters, always stimulating the senses and challenging the mind, always offering a glimpse into our complicated contemporary psyche. You'll find Deborah Barkin's posts from the 58th Venice Art Biennale on Instagram at FreshArtINTL. Visit our website to learn more and hear other episodes from the world of contemporary art. We invite you to subscribe to this podcast wherever you go to listen and take a few minutes 
to review Fresh Art International on Apple Podcasts. The John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, Emily Hall Tremaine Foundation, Locust Projects, and the Andy Warhol Foundation for the Visual Arts, the International Association of Curators of Contemporary Art, and listeners like you make this project possible. On freshartinternational.com, sign up to receive our latest news and find out how to support our stories. Stay tuned for more contemporary art talk.